Welcome to Scene Change, a podcast by the National Federation of the Blind's Performing Arts Division. All about equality, opportunity, accessibility, and the arts. Here, you'll learn adaptive techniques from performers in the know. We are changing what it means to be blind, one stage at a time. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scene Change. I'm Lizzie Mohammed Park, the Vice President of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division and your host of the show. Today, we will be learning about an activity that has gotten so many people through the pandemic. It's been a stress reliever. It's, you know, a lot of people to connect with each other, all while maintaining skills that we've used in performance before the pandemic ever started. We will be discussing the virtual choir. We have Rachel Greider and Tom Page here with us today. These are two chief leaders of the NFB virtual choir, and they've been doing it for the last two years. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you, Lizzie. My name is Rachel Greider, and I am from California. I am the first vice president of the NFB of California. I am the president of the Central Valley chapter, and I wear several other NFB hats. I got my bachelor's in music at California State University Stanislaus with an emphasis in voice performance and composition. And I got my master's at Peabody Conservatory in Baltimore um, in voice performance and music theory pedagogy. Excellent. That is really, really cool. Uh, We definitely will want to hear more about that um, in a minute. But first, let's jump over to Tom Page. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today. Um, Many of you may know me as the president of the Kansas Affiliate. Um, I'm also a musician, uh, performer, songwriter, and audio engineer. Yes, and that is a huge role that you play in our virtual choir. Let's um, start things off right at the beginning. So who approached whom about the virtual choir and what was that process like, you know, just starting one um, for the NFB? I would say that it, I've got to blame it all on Rachel. Um, <laughs> she definitely approached me with this great idea. And um, I'm not sure how completely formed it was at that time, but um, I'll turn it to Rachel. So I am a music teacher. Um, that is my main job right now. And at the beginning of the pandemic, all of my in-person classes were canceled because of the pandemic, including the choir that I was directing. And that was very sad. So I thought about, you know, how we could make things happen virtually. And I had received an email from another choir director talking about a virtual choir. And I thought, hey, that's a really cool idea. Why not do that for the NFB? So no, it was not fully formed when I (laughs) came to Tom, but I had thought it would be cool to, to try. And I emailed President Riccobono and asked him if that would be something that he might want to put on our national convention. And it sort of just went from there. Wow. So you were really uh, inspired by the classes that you were teaching, it sounds like, and and seeing um, you know that someone else was starting um, a virtual choir. Is that is that a fair way to sum it up? Absolutely, yes. 
So are you a part of any other virtual choirs or, or was this, um, you know, sort of the first one or the only one? I did one virtual choir uh, before we did this NFB one. Um, so that was around May of 2020. And that was my first virtual choir experience. That's actually my only experience actually singing in a virtual choir. Since since our 2020 virtual choir for convention, um, I also led one for the state, um, NFB state affiliate last convention. And then I've done a couple for our for the Learning Ally um, College Success Program over the summer as well. Um, oh, wow. I've led, led two virtual oh, choirs. Fantastic. For them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, was there any question in your mind about you know accessibility? If this would work as a blind director, as a blind audio engineer, were there any questions of uh, challenges that you might run into with the virtual choir? I suppose I could jump in and. Um say that my first questions really were not uh, concerned with accessibility, but rather, could we do it at all? Hmm. And where'd that come from? I've had very little experience up to this time with um, putting together uh, files uh, generated in different spaces around the country. Uh, My major concern was that the audio would just sound like a big mess and that... um, that we wouldn't end up with a listenable product at the end. Hmm. And is that because of different members recording in different spaces or what, where do you think different of the spaces? Mm-hmm. Um, most of uh, the recordings we've gotten have been um, created on uh, phones or on note takers. And mm-hmm. so um, there are some questions as to whether the fidelity uh, would be usable. And then, yeah, the different spaces, a little scary, And I suspected that the process of syncing was doable, but I wasn't really sure how much work it would take um, or how intensive a process it would be. So there are a lot of question marks for me over the um, just, you know, kind of hanging around the uh, audio production end of it. Um, Wow. I think, uh, you know, Rachel um, had had a different perspective, of course, coming from the um, organizing of people end of things. Mm-hmm. So Rachel, what about you? Was there any question in your mind about doing the virtual choir? So yes. Um, trying to think of where to start here. Uh, my first question I think was just making sure that we had the music in accessible format for everyone um, because not everybody reads braille music. Not everyone reads print music. Um, we have, you know, lots of different needs as far as, you know, the medium of, of how people prefer to get their music, how they're used to getting their music in a, a, a in-person choir. So we wanted to have, or I wanted to have all of those options available, um, including audio recording. So, you know, making sure that we had all of that just so that people could learn their music, structuring rehearsals over Zoom, um, which is very interesting in a virtual choir setting because in an in-person choir setting you are you get to hear people sing Um, you get to hear the choir how it sounds how they sound together you can make corrections in a zoom choir rehearsal everybody is on mute so it's mostly the director playing and singing the parts and 
it's it's amazing how exhausting that actually is to do that for two hours without a lot of feedback. After the first rehearsal, I was really tired just from from doing that. And um, and then you don't really get a lot of feedback as far as how things are sounding. So the only feedback you get are questions that people ask um, during rehearsal or after rehearsal, but you don't really get to hear what they sound like until they send you recordings, unless you work with them privately. So that was um, a little scary because I had no idea, even if I could hear them one-on-one, I had no idea how it was going to sound together until really until Tom gave me a recording demo. Um, So it was, so that part was definitely, you know, I I had questions up until the end, I guess. Um, And, um, and, and yes, I think I had similar, similar questions to Tom as to um, how would, how would it all work? Like, how would it all come together when you have all these different recordings and I wasn't and I, I did listen to the recordings as they were coming in um, and so I could hear you know there were different devices different file formats um, and you know I, I wondered how that was really going to come together and uh, I was very pleasantly surprised and happy that it that it came together um, very nicely. Certainly wow. um Certainly Rachel's skill as a teacher is evident here. As um, as these files came in, I became more and more emboldened with the idea that this process was going to work. And a big part of it is that people had actually learned parts. And it became fairly obvious that, um, you know, most of the altos were singing, uh, singing from the, the same sheet of music, so to speak, and and the same with the other sections. And I have to say, um, to add something, because for the state convention, I actually did the audio editing myself. Um, I don't know if I will ever do that again, quite frankly. That was <laughs> so, that was, well, and part of it was I'd never done it before. So I really was learning as I went. And I just, it just really drove home how um, amazing um, and how much work Tom and other audio editors who've done this um, have to put into this because it is so, you know, putting, it's one thing to, to teach the music. It's another thing to, to put it together and make it sound good. And um, it's hours and hours of work. So, you know, uh, it it's kudos to Tom and to um, Kyle, our audio editor um, from, from this year for, for making this all work. Yes, big mm-hmm. shout out to Kyle. Um, mm-hmm. He also had not um, done a process like this before. And so uh, much like Rachel jumping into the fire on the state convention in California, he really jumped in uh, this year and took the um, the reins on the audio editing and did a great job. Yes, he did. <laughs> he really did. And um it's interesting that both of you kind of said that there was not a question of blindness in this. It's really, it was really a question of, uh, you know, musical technicality and then the audio technicality. So I'm very happy to hear that for anyone out there who's listening and, you know, interested in doing uh, some sort of a virtual choir. uh, This is doable from the, you know, it sounds like this is very doable. Now um, did either of you, 
because they were very, you know, audio and music, music specific questions, did either of you consult any, you know, friends or books or YouTube about uh, running a virtual choir? Or did you both just kind of uh, go into it um, with these sort of questions and thoughts and just kind of figure it out as you went along? I did, um, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I actually reached out to um, Kaylee Brendel, um, who is the director for Sing for Serenity, um, which is an, another virtual choir, which I believe is all blind singers, if I recall it correctly. Is. Okay, cool. So, and she was also a scholarship winner this year. Um, That's and, right. Go, go class. Yeah. 2021. I know, right? <laughs> um, so I reached out because I actually have a student who sings with her. And um, so I had heard about it. And then when I had reached out to, to President Riccobono, he had, um, you know, suggested maybe, maybe, consulting with her so I, I talked to her and I kind of got her idea about how um how she does it um and she does it in a very organized a, a lot more organized than I did um I think um because she she uses section leaders and she does um different things because it's an ongoing year-round choir and but I also got the idea from this other, the other virtual choir that I um sang in um and the way he ran rehearsals um you know I, I basically ran them the same way that he did it um and then um now that was a little different because it was a video choir and so there, that was a whole nother aspect of you know making the recording but you know I used the same the same idea of doing the um count-in um which you know I I you know, got that idea from them and then Tom confirmed that that was a good idea so so yeah so I think I picked up things from both both places yeah I um uh, I had heard a couple of my friends uh talk about um doing zoom church and uh I kind of wondered how that worked and asked them about um uh, church choirs over zoom and they told me it's a big mess and it doesn't really work at all and um, so that's mostly what I got on that was it was a big mess and didn't work and uh, that it comes out sounding like um, like when Zoom jams, basically just meh. And uh, so um, did a little bit of thinking about how one would put together these uh, different audio files from different sources and um, just went back to basic, what I would call basic audio editing techniques. Um, there are probably some fancier methods uh, using a snap to grid sort of a, a concept. Um, but really what we did was uh, what, what Rachel was saying. We, we used a count in and um, then I just synced things to that count. Awesome. Okay. So we will get uh, more in detail with uh, some audio information later in the show. And another sneak peek for later in the show is that Kaylee Brendel will be joining us, not on this segment, but in a segment that we are starting up called Questions with Caitlin, where uh, we may pull in some some surprise guests um, uh, here on Scene Change. So be on the lookout for that. And um, before we delve into some more technical um, behind the scenes information, Rachel, how did you go about finding the talent for the choir? So the first year in 2020, um, I, now I'm trying to remember, <laughs> I reached out to the NFB Performing Arts Division and the NFB Net members list. And um, I think several other listservs, probably the Performing Arts listserv, um, and basically just said, you know, 
I'm looking for singers for this project. Is anyone interested? Got lots of lots of takers, especially after President Ricavano announced it on the presidential release, which was really helpful in getting singers. And and there were many singers that that did it. And it was not, you know, there's no audition involved. It was just, you know, I mean, anybody who wants to sing, um, come and come and sing, no matter what level. And um, I tried to have, you know different music, different varieties of music so that, you know, it would be of interest to as many people as possible. And, and I even said, you know, if you don't want to make all, if you don't want to record all three songs, that's okay. Um, you can just one or two, it's fine. Um, we just want to hear you sing. So, um, you know, got lots of takers. And then, and then this year, um, pretty much, I think we went around it the same, same way. We um, had a, a choir form that people were to fill out and, posted at all kinds of places on the performing arts division list um, and, you know, on listservs. And it was, um, you know, lots of people uh, wanted to do it. And, and then of course I reached out, you know, directly just to people who had done it last year, who, you know, I thought might want to do it again, you know, or, or people who I knew might be interested. So that was also, you know, I did, I did a little bit of that as well, but, but it was mostly just from advertising on NFC listservs. Wow. And from there, people were able to just kind of, you know, uh, jump in at their own level of comfort. And I really um, Mm -hmm. like the way you did it, where you said, you know, you don't have to do, you know, there's no pressure, you know. Um, So that's cool. And that does leave this as sort of a a way to perform, to relieve stress. Um, Now, I'd like to know if you could walk us through a, a typical rehearsal. Okay, well, the typical <laughs> rehearsal, <laughs> um, I would I would try to, you know, give some time in the beginning to ask questions. So the idea, so the thing about a virtual choir is that it is a lot of, a lot of learning on your own. The rehearsals are really more just sort of reinforce, at least that's how I see them. Um, so by, by, the, by the beginning of a rehearsal, everyone should have had time or should have had had the opportunity um, to go over whatever we're going to go over in the rehearsal that day. So it's, so it's not new, new information. Um, So say we're going to rehearse one of our songs was you'll never walk alone um, this last, this last convention. And so um, in the rehearsal that I'm planning to rehearse that um, I will have already put out the audio recordings, the music, braille music, sheet music, everything, all the materials are already there on the, uh, um, in the Dropbox folder on the website so that people can, can access them. So then at the beginning of the rehearsal, I'll take questions about any, you know, anything throughout the week, any, anything that people, actually, most of the the questions would be more just, you know, general questions. Um, And then we'll do a warm up. Um, I'll go through warm-ups for people, war- vocal warm-ups um, for people to go along to mute themselves and sing along with. And then um, we will rehearse. And um, essentially I will, um, you know, play parts or go over parts, um, sort of review parts, uh, you know, soprano parts, alto parts, tenor parts, bass parts. Um, and we will, uh, you know, divide the song into segments. Um, we'll stop every, you know, after each segment or so to answer questions. If people want to hear a part again, 
Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll run, run segments together. It, it sort of depends on, you know, the, the comfort level of everybody, if they're ready to, you know, try to run stuff. Again, I don't get to hear their, their, their uh, singing. So it's all, um, everything I, I do is based on the feedback I get from them during rehearsal. So um, after we've sort of, you know, gone through parts, um, we will, uh, you know, maybe run the whole thing at the end, perhaps. And, you know, and I'll, I'll screen share um, if we already had the uh, actual track for recording ready, um, which we didn't. We didn't always that wasn't all that wasn't ready in the beginning of, of the project, but you know, toward the end, it, you know, we had the tracks for recording. So I would play that over the uh, over screen share and let people hear it and sing with it. And then um, then I'd take more questions at the end. And then that would that would essentially be our rehearsal. Wow. So it, you're really trusting people to know their own voices, uh, to know what they're struggling with. Um, and so on in a virtual choir, whereas in an in-person mm -hmm. choir, the musical director can listen and say, no, no, that's not it, you know? Um, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so what I would do, the other thing that, that now this is where I think, um, you know, if, if we did this for, if this wasn't just a one, a, a one convention project, does that make sense? If we did this as a year round thing, um, I would maybe do things more along the lines of how Kaylee and Sing for Serenity does it where there are section leaders and there's a little more, a little more of the one-on-one uh, -on -one training um, or one-on-one -on -one rehearsing and such, um, because that way you do get to have more feedback as to how things are going, if that makes sense. But, um, but for this, um, what I did was I, I did offer if anyone wanted to rehearse privately or work privately with me, and there were several other people in the choir who also really um, took that on as well and offered to help people who might want to work on on parts. So, and that was really really helpful to have to have um, those individuals who were who stepped up and and uh, worked and um, helped helped folks learn parts. And so I so I did some private um, sort of private lessons or rehearsals or I don't know you know whatever you want to call them with some folks to, you know, work with them on their parts. And that was really helpful um, because that, that did give me feedback as to how people, how, how people were learning their parts. And, and, um, and then I also offered, you know, if people wanted to send me recordings ahead of time, just, you know, just uh, sample recordings, um, you know, to get feedback that was, you know, that was totally fine as well. So that way I could get some, you know, some insight and, and they could get insight too if, if there was something that they needed to change with their recording. Was there ever a time during rehearsal where um, you might screen share the, the backtrack, you know, background music and you were not singing, but instead had people singing on their own so that they could sort of get used to singing alone for their uh, audio file? So that that is exactly what we did, in fact. Okay. Um, so when, when I screen shared, um, everyone was on mute, including, well, like, I don't know if I was on mute, but I was, I wasn't singing. Um, <laughs> I was, everyone was on mute. So that was the idea of um, that they were singing because if I were singing along with a backing track on zoom, that would just make 
that would just be a mess. <laughs> um, oh, I so, see. Um, so yeah, so that was that was what we would always do. At least some of that, um, either at the end of each rehearsal or you know sometime in the rehearsal, where they would they would actually get to hear to screen share. We'd screen share a track, um, either a practice track or the track for recording, so that they could sing along with it. And was there ever, for those who learned by ear, was there ever uh, a time when you might uh, sing along with the music? Maybe not during the rehearsal, since that wouldn't really work well. Over Zoom, I didn't think about that. Um, but where you would just sort of sing it um, so that people could hear it. Yes. So every song that we did had a, um, I made um, record demo recordings for each part. So, um, and Kyle Woodruff also really helped with that too. He, he helped. Um, by creating the tenor and bass parts um, for for the for the songs, so um, so yes, so the, uh, they did have have recorded um, audio tracks for each part, as well as you know resource to to music for those who wanted it. Excellent. I'd say that um, helped me a lot to have those um, demos also, and um, that you know uh, Rachel and Kyle really acted as the section leaders in terms of providing those model tracks for people to study. Um, and then also, of course, from, from my perspective, it helped me understand this is kind of what it's supposed to sound like. And so if there's, um, you know, a particular singer that's um, not in rhythm or not on pitch or whatever, I was able to uh, kind of screen those against the models and uh, adjust accordingly. Ah. As a Braille music reader, um, even though I, I read Braille music, I still find, I, I really find those audio tracks not only super helpful when, when doing something like this, but also necessary, I think, because, because people aren't able to hear the singers around them. If I were in a, an in-person choir, I would have my whole soprano section I could hear and I could, you know, you know I'd, I'd have an idea, you know, even if I know in theory when a cutoff is supposed to be, for example, um, I would, it, it's, you know, there's still so many other factors and, and it's just really easy. It's really helpful. And I think essential in a virtual car to have that, that audio track to um, just create some life and some uh, just make it real and make it, um, give them an idea you know this is exactly what it what it should sound like basically i should say my only real choir experience in life was in um junior high school where i sang in the choir and uh, i imagine that a lot of time in in person choirs is spent um with people learning how to round their voice or shape mm -hmm. their mouths if you will mm -hmm. so that they sing together in a tone and um i do remember we had a lot of like um IEO kind of training during the junior high time. And, and as you're alluding to Rachel, it's a very difficult to understand how your neighbor's voice will mesh with yours when you never get to hear that. And so, yeah, so I think it was really important to have those, um, those model tracks and, and that, that really did help things. And Tom, it almost seems like you were the filter uh, in a way to make sure that the, the blend was achieved because, mm -hmm. as, you know, um, you, were, you were kind of the one who, who got to hear everyone's tracks, right? 
Yes, I I, um, I think I did get to have the bonus of as the tracks came in, I was the person that got to hear them together first. Mm-hmm. Um, I just tried really to imagine what it would be like to have all the people in a big room on a big riser and um, how that would sound as a whole and then go from there. And I think, you know, as you're hearing from Rachel's description of, of her ideas of how to get this together and lead the project. Um, she has a very community based choir outlook for this. And I thought that was very appealing. And to me, what that meant was, you know, if you have a particular singer in a particular section who might be a little loud and brassy, guess what? That's who they are. And if we were together in person, you'd be saying, oh man, so-and-so in the Sopranos is always singing (laughs) a little too loud, Um, whatever. Um, And so to that extent, I mean, there's a, I think there is a penchant for audio engineers to want to strive for perfection at all times. And uh, it was a good experience for me to say, no, this, we really want to preserve the humanity of this. And so if somebody is a little out, what, what stature of person is their voice? Are we talking about a, um, a very large person with a big booming resonant voice? Well, they're, they're going to be hurt. Um, is this a very small person with a tiny voice? They may not be as big in the mix, but they're still going to be in there. And so, so that was sort of the, the part I got to have fun with of imagining the group together and then layering up the layering up the sounds. I bet you really got to feel people's personalities through their, uh, <laughs> through their singing voices. Sometimes you really oh, can yes. tell. <laughs> oh, yes. And sometimes the other, uh, you know, the fun part, the other uh, stuff that was in their, uh, uh, the files that they sent in, you know, you can hear the what's happening in the background of people's apartments or the city, the city noises where they live or the country noises where they live. And um, so that's kind of neat too, just to, to feel the diversity um, of, uh, of folks who were contributing. Now, did you have to, Tom, um, ask anyone who was, you know, maybe they had that big booming voice and maybe it was a little too much and maybe your equipment couldn't quite turn it down enough. Did you kind of just let it shine or did you ever ask for re-reports? Mostly let it shine was the approach. Okay. I don't think I mean, there might've been a couple re-records. They were mostly due to noise factors mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I let the singing coaching uh, portion of the thing rest entirely on um, the April shoulders of Rachel. Um, (laughs) So if I had some questions or concerns about a particular part, I basically expressed those to her and um, she did the one-on-one coaching to, uh, to work with that. Cause really I'm, I'm, you know, to be fair, not a um, vocal music instructor and uh, um you know, I, I, it, I joke about these things, but it's like, I will demand my tempo and, um, you know, so, uh, you're going to need to be on pitch. And that's the, that, that probably would be the end of my instructional set for singers. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I, I like that, um, you know, the two of you seem to work really well together. Um, and it really comes from knowing both of your roles and respecting the other, the other person's role and that's really coming through. Um, in this interview. Um, so Rachel, I'm going to jump back over to you and I'd like to know, could you describe any techniques, um, that you use as a musical director in specifically in the virtual choir? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) 
in in the virtual choir um so i feel like you know in the rehearsals themselves um you know mostly it's it's plunking out parts on the piano um essentially there's I, I don't feel like, I mean, we do warm-up techniques, like I'll, I'll do with them the same warm-ups that I would do with an in-person choir or even with my one-on-one um, -on -one voice students. Um, and then I will, um, and I'll, I'll try to encompass all, all the parts. I'll do some, some warm-ups for like, you know, the altos and basses and then for the tenor and soprano, um, you know, so trying to encompass the, the entire range, at least the range of, of whatever we're going to be rehearsing um, that day. And then, um, you know, we will, um, it's mostly plunking out parts, um, but, but I will work with people one-on-one -on -one when they, when they want it, um, as I said before, and that will, you know, I'll, I'll treat them just like I would any of my uh, voice students um we will uh um, work on you know their song or whatever you know they'll i i expect them you know i i i treat you know i try to treat my students um you know like adults um my, my young students i should say where i will i will tell them um you know i will i will ask them okay what is it that you need you know what where do you feel is is your most challenging part um, in this, what is, what is the biggest challenge for you? Um, and then, um, and then I, they'll tell me, and then we will go over that and then we'll, um, you know, do whatever needs to be done to, to fix it. So, um, with the virtual choir, um, singers, um, they are, you know, mostly, mostly adults and they know, you know, what it is that they need work, they need help with. And sometimes it's, let's just run through, can I run through um, Ritmo? Or can I run through uh, the tenor part for you'll never walk alone? Um, like, okay, let's hear it, you know, and they'll, you know, and they just want to see if they're doing it right. And if there's anything that they will, that they need to fix. And so sometimes it's like, okay, this is, this is good. I don't think there's anything that you need to fix on this. This is great. Um, and other times it's, um, you know, uh, you know, let's, okay, let's go over this part. Um, sometimes they want to talk about breath support and how they, when, when they need to breathe, um, you know, how to, how to, uh, stagger breathe, because that's one really difficult thing to do in a virtual choir and in in-person choir. Um, if you have a long note or a long phrase, you can stagger breathe, meaning you're, you're breathing in a different place than the people near you. So um, to the audience, it doesn't sound like anybody's breathing, but in a virtual choir, you don't really have that option because um, you don't have people near you. So um, learning how to um, take as quick a breath as possible and, and breathing in a, in a place that, that won't be um, as noticeable um, if there's a long, long phrase or a long note, um, at, for example, at the end of You'll Never Walk Alone, there was that a very long, long phrase at the end or, you know, super long note. And, and there was a lot of stagger breathing going on. And it actually worked out really well um, in the audio editing, which was great. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people wanted to work on breath support at the end of that song. So we would work on it and I would give them some breathing exercises and we would do some of those together. And then we would um, work on you know, that, that passage. So, 
So I think, you know, so, so yes, I think this, the techniques I use, at least in the one-on-one, is very similar to what I use with, with my students, only more tailored to the choir itself. Um, and, I, and I try to let uh, the, the, these singers, you know, kind of call the shots as to what they need to learn what they need help with and what kind of feedback they're looking for. And, and then I, I try to give that to them. So one thing that I'm noticing about the virtual choir is that it seems like it's a lot more independent and also student run. And it almost mm-hmm. reminds me of college. <laughs> and it's like, as when you were first describing it, it was reminding me of the difference between, you know, in high school, you have a lot more direction, but in college, it's up to you. It's up to you to read the material and then come to class and discuss it, you know, be ready to discuss it or ask questions that you have, um, you know, already prepared. You have the material and then you kind of have to, you're trusted to go and, and do it yourself and come in and, and ask for the information that you need. There were a lot yeah. of self-starters in the group. It, there was a certain amount of requirement that, um, that yes, that somebody would, would have to actually uh, peruse these materials and be prepared. Um, Rachel only had so much time to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, call around the country and, and, and get individuals motivated. That is so cool. So that's, you know, yet another tip for anyone listening who's interested in, in getting involved in a virtual choir. Good, good to know for sure. Now, Rachel, you actually wrote Stronger Together. Is that correct? That's right. Could you share with us um, what motivated you uh, to write the song? And also, how did, how did singing an original piece affect the choral experience? You know, President Riccobono had actually mentioned that maybe this was a good year for an original song, um, just kind of, you know, in passing. And I, it had occurred to me because I have been struggling myself a little bit with just the recent events, um, the NF, you know, that have been happening with the NFB. And um, I felt like this song was sort of my, statement regarding those events if that makes sense um it was a way for me to express my love and respect and desire to help the nfb membership in whatever way i can and also you know to to express the solidarity um and the diversity in our organization with members that i want to help achieve you know continue to achieve in the nfb if that makes sense. Um, and so that was sort of what inspired the song. And I wanted to, to have something that was specific to the members, not something necessarily about the NFB as a whole, but about the members of the NFB and um, something that would maybe make people feel um, welcome and that you know would also even address a little bit um, some of the things that have happened. Um, There's a line in there that um, about you know um, the pains from the past, but then you know hope and healing and victory at last. So that was sort of my my statement, I think, regarding regarding those events, but also moving forward and being strong as members and um, celebrating the diversity and the uh, contributions that everyone can make and, and does make every day to the blindness movement. That's awesome. 
Rachel, thank you so much for sharing that. It's as you were speaking, especially as you were quoting that line from the song, I just got the chills. Um, it's, it's true. It's very, um, you know, it, it's a song that definitely strikes um, feelings of, you know, love, hope, and determination, as we always say in the Federation. Um, and I think that um, everything that you wanted to come across definitely did um, come across in the, um, in the song and, and in the, in the final performance. Um, so we're actually going to move into talking about how performances are created. And I think Tom, that's a lot of what um, is your job in all this. So um, you mentioned, you know, originally having questions about how the quality would turn out. So mm -hmm. the big question is how'd you pull it off? Well, some computer magic is part of the, story. Um, gating is a wonderful thing, which is a process that can be applied to audio where a person sets a threshold, um, a volume threshold in essence. And so if uh, the signal drops below that threshold, then um, you have a uh, kind of a, a pre-made fade out time that you apply. Um, so if, let's say if you do it too radically, it, it sounds choppy and like it would eh, 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 cut out somebody's voice. But if you do it at the right um, threshold and the right uh, uh, fade out uh, time, um, it comes across feeling fairly natural and it uh, eliminates the background noises that were in the files. Um, we also did have some pre-thinking and coaching on, on helping folks to make better files with their phones. Um, we discovered pretty quickly that there were um, uh, different settings in the phones that you could uh, change to get a higher uh, fidelity uh, file. And um, then also, uh, oh, some things I've just learned over the years with, with really low-tech recording, which is uh, if you can get yourself into a, a really small space, a closet or something like that, it sounds less uh, roomy uh, than if you're, say, in your living room or a kitchen. And uh, even, you know, uh, you could put a towel, you could be under a towel or under a sheet is a good way to, um, to achieve what is called proximity effect, where uh, the voice sounds like it's close to the microphone. Um, so those, uh, those techniques and strategies really did work. Um, from there, really, I, I guess I have to defer back to Rachel that... Um, you know, the, the director and the work of Rachel and Kyle as acting as uh, section leaders really is what produced the performances from the individuals. And all I did was um, put all of those performances together uh, with the computer magic to where they appeared to be in one space. Wow. And could you just rattle off maybe some of the, the apps or the tech that you use uh, to achieve yeah. that? No problem. Um, uh, I guess I should mention, of course, I am a blind person. Um, I use uh, JAWS screen reader. Um, this was all done under Windows with JAWS. Uh, my, uh, it's a silly uh, acronym, Digital Audio Workstation. Um, has a lovely uh, DAW is how they uh, say things these days. And so the DAW that I use is Cakewalk uh, Sonar. A little dated now, but um, uh, the folks at Dancing Dots years ago, programmed scripts for the sonar. So it worked with JAWS and it still does for me. 
and uh, so um, also used um, the SoundForge audio editing program on the back end uh, for two track um, uh, mastering purposes. I really have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> I'm just asking for fine. the people who are. I'm asking for I people imagine, someone's going to say. <laughs> yes, I imagine Shane is using Pro Tools, maybe, which is the modern way of doing these things. I think but, he uses uh, something called the Gold Wave or something. I don't know. Oh, he just said wave. it yesterday. That's the only reason why I know that. <laughs> there you go. That's a popular one. No, it gold works. Wave and Reaper all the way. Okay, there you go. See, and I think I should be looking at Reaper. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That should definitely help our listeners uh, and those of you out there who are audio engineers and and know about this stuff. If you have more questions, um, feel free to send them our way, nfbpad at gmail.com. And we just might do an audio engineering episode, but uh, Shane or someone else may have to host that because I'm not going to know what I'm talking about, but I will ask questions if people send them to me or I will gladly um, yield my position for that episode. Um, Rachel, I want to jump over to you and ask, as far as the final performance video side, we've talked a lot about the audio and music and singing that goes into it. How did you decide on the video um, that you would play with the songs? And um, you know, what, what was that like? So there wasn't a video. Um, we didn't do a video, we did pictures. Um, but we didn't do, we didn't do a video. We, we talked about doing a video. Um, we talked about it both last year and this year, in fact, but, um, it was kind of decided that that was a little too complicated. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so we just did pictures. So last year what we did, um, because one of the songs we did was live the life you want. And so we had people send in pictures of themselves doing things that was showing how they were living the lives they wanted um, or living the life they want. So that was really cool. Cause we got some really, really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, we had somebody shooting at a target in a shooting gallery. We had, um, I believe we had somebody riding a horse or a camel or something. I can't remember now, but it was, it was a lot of, a lot of really neat, neat pictures. Um, and then this year we didn't do anything quite as, exciting as far as the visual aspect we mostly just had people send in you know their headshots and um those were featured on the website and i'm not sure i'm not sure what exactly was featured on the youtube if if they had the the pictures on the youtube video um with the choir um uh, you know the choir songs but but yeah there was no no actual video not this year i I remember uh, a part where you had people send in voice clips, was it? And it was something. Yes. What's that? What was that piece? Could you describe that? Yeah. That was Stronger Together. Um, the end of Stronger Together. And so it took a while to figure out what I wanted to do and what what we wanted to do really at the end of that. Because I wanted to have something special at the end of Stronger Together um, to show diversity. And, and so I, I actually talked with several people, um, including President Riccobono and and some other folks, um, just to kind of get their their ideas and such. And um, and so we decided to do um, sound clips. So we had everybody would would send in. So I basically I made a list, a script of different different um, professions, characteristics, um, just all these different characteristics that that we have in our federation um you know religions um 
professions, sexual orientations, um, ethnicities. I mean, just, you know, so many different, you know, all mixed together. And then, and then adjectives, you know, describing, you know, individuals, just whatever. And, and um, then I asked, you know, I, I basically first started, I asked different people, or I, well, I reached out to the choir um, first and asked, you know, if anybody identifies, here's, here is the script of what is going to be said at the end of Stronger Together. Is there anything that should be added to the script um, that I missed? And um, it, do any of you identify with any of these characteristics and would you be willing to read them? And um, I got lots of people who wanted to read and it was also really cool because there were some people that couldn't make actual the actual fire recording but they were able to make that recording so it was a cool way to get some folks involved who may not have otherwise been involved um in in the choir and then and then i i also had people from outside the choir i reached out to some people that i knew like it was really for example it was hard to find a blind doctor um a, a medical doctor because then i really wanted not that it was hard. It wasn't actually hard. It was just, um, I didn't know any. Um, so I reached out to someone, actually I had, um, I, I, I got a contact from, from someone from the choir and, and reached out to, to this, this, uh, blind doctor. And, um, so, you know, so there were some that, that I reached out to privately because, um, no one had, had claimed the line, but, um, and most of the lines were covered. I think there were a couple that weren't, um, that, that we couldn't, get but for the most part um everything was covered so um what they did was they said um we are all together and then there was this followed this list of of characteristics and and it was really cool because you had all these different voices different um you know just 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 very just different different voices um saying different yeah things and it was fantastic I mean it was so cool because you could you know just it just really I, I feel like helped to to emphasize you know our diversity and mm-hmm. um and then at the end everyone says and we are blind and we are stronger together um and so yeah I thought it was pretty pretty awesome very powerful I thought this was a, a really fun part of the experience also and mm-hmm. um and I commend Rachel on this uh this creative element um, as the script unfolded and was being bounced around uh, between Rachel and president Riccobono and others in the email. Um, it, it was also just a really a fine exercise in recognizing how we are all intersectional people mm-hmm. and that um, the characteristic of blindness is intersectional with every other possible characteristic of humanity you can imagine. And so I think part of the the fun part of, of um, you know, I, I really just participated by reading the emails and encouraging, um, but part of the fun part was uh, recognizing how many characteristic words apply and and coming up with a list that was pretty focused, I, I think, um, was great. Um, also, I do remember we had to work a little bit on cadence um, so that hopefully we would end up with something that was editable where say when people were saying we are, they weren't all mm-hmm. saying it at, like we are as opposed to we <laughs> are, um, but it did end up working out in the end. And, uh, and the, the splicing part was also uh, pretty fun and enjoyable. And uh, another big shout out to Kyle Woodruff for being 
the engineer mm-hmm. for 2021 who got to have a lot of that fun. Wow. And it all culminated in this, you know, powerful, powerful, diverse, um, just really motivational um, piece. And for our other members, you know, of the Federation um, where, you know, I wasn't in the choir, but, you know, sitting at the banquet and just watching that was like, wow, that's so cool. And I was actually, um, sitting at, at the table with another 2021 scholarship winner, um, Miranda Williams. And she was a part of that. And, um, that's, you know, we were like, Oh, oh you know, your part's coming, your part's coming. So we all got really quiet and, you know, just, mm-hmm. just listened and watched that. And it was so cool. Um, so that was probably, um, my favorite part of the virtual choir, just seeing the diversity and, um, just watching everyone and hearing everyone say those words together. Um, it really made an impact. So you all did a really great job uh, on the virtual choir uh, the past two years. Um, kudos yeah. to the both of you. Thank you. Um, Thank you, you had asked about the video a little while ago. Mm. Um, and uh, maybe this is a point to actually solicit. If, if this was to come around that we ever did it again, it would be great to have video. And um, I, I had discovered a limitation in my skill set. Um, after doing the virtual choir work in 2020, um, the Illinois affiliate asked if I could help them with doing some audio editing for their uh, um, uh, Braille is Beautiful convention reading. And at that time, I imagined that I could actually edit the Zoom video in line with the Zoom audio. And what I found out was that my software actually just disregards the video content when I do it. And so I was very hopeful that that was just going to work in the same way, but it did not. And so perhaps in the future, if there is somebody out there who has that skill set and software uh, understanding, uh, we'd love to have them as part of the team. Awesome. Yes. Anyone out there who, uh, you know, as Tom just said, has the whatever, whatever it takes. I, I have no idea what it takes um, to do, <laughs> to do the video piece of it. Uh, definitely, um, you know, get in, t- in touch with Tom uh, or Rachel and they are going to give their information out in just one second. So thank you both for giving us a behind the scenes sneak peek at what it takes to uh, run a virtual choir and what the experience is like from both the member and leadership side. Um, it was lovely having you both on today and (laughs) anytime and same to you, Rachel. Thank Um, you. Please do share any contact information or social media. How can people get in touch with either of you, uh, both of you? How can they get involved in the, in the choir? Hopefully we'll be in person next year. Uh, but you know, if this should ever happen in the future, uh, where do they go? So my email address is rachel.grider, R-A-C-H-E-L dot G-R-I-D-E-R at gmail.com. And um, I would very much hope that we can do another virtual choir next year, uh, or I'm sorry, another choir next year, Um, whether it's virtual or in person um, will remain to be seen. Um, I am, I have gotten some feedback that even if we are in person, I think some people want at least one virtual choir song as well. Um, 
So we might do that. And, uh, but if we are in person, I definitely would like to also explore the idea of doing an in-person choir at convention. I hope that we could find a way to integrate both the virtual and in-person. Um, mm -hmm. You can find me at T-O-P-A-G-E at swbell.net. And that's my first and middle initial T-N-O and my last name P-A-G-E. And again, at swbell.net. And that's like Southwestern Bell for people that remember that uh, era of telephone uh, connectivity. Um, you can find me at uh, Tom Page ICT. And that's like ice cream truck. That's the airport code for where I live on the Facebook. Um, you can find my professional life under haymakersict.com if you're so inclined. Thank you both for um, sharing that information. Uh, do be keep in mind that um, the virtual choir sang three songs this year. You'll Never Walk Alone, Stronger Together, and Ritmo. Do search for these songs on YouTube and see if you can't catch other snippets of our 2021 NFB convention. And be sure to stay tuned for Questions with Caitlin, featuring our special guest, Kaylee Brendel. Hello and welcome to Questions with Caitlin. This is Caitlin McIntyre, President of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division. And today I have with me Kaylee Brendel, founder and director of the Sing for Serenity Choir. Kaylee, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here. I love the Performing Arts Division and the NFE as a whole. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. And you're from New Jersey. And have, have a bit of musical background yourself. So first tell us about you and how you first got into music and, and what you do. Um, so I've been singing all my life. My parents literally told me that when I was four years old, I'd be singing Sesame Street to passersby. Um, it's just always been a part of my life. I am lucky to have perfect pitch. Um, I have synesthesia so I can see colors in music. And so oh, music yes. is always is a really big part of my life and, you know, an amazing experience to be a part of because it involved multiple senses. And, you know, last Friday, I dropped my first album called Karma. And to say that I have an album out is really surreal. And, you know, I actually had a release party that night with a, a bunch of Serenity Choir people and we all just got on and we had so much fun. Oh. Just my album and it was it was a really amazing night. I couldn't have imagined like spending it with any other crowd of people. Congratulations. That is so great. So happy Thank for you. you. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about the Serenity Choir. So how did you, you know, what made you want to start a virtual choir and how did you begin? How did you get started? So when I was in eighth grade, I was elected to be president of my school's chapter of the National Junior Honor Society. And as our service learning projects approached, my friend said that for hers, she was going to, because the service learning project entailed doing something that would benefit the community at large. Mm -hmm. She said that she was going to orchestrate a veterans awareness fundraiser. And I said, you know, what would be interesting. I have a lot of friends around the New Jersey area that like, you know, in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in New York, and they love singing. What if, and they're all blind. So what if we assembled the little vocal group and we performed at your event and that would be my project. And she was like, yes, that would work great. So I started, you know, assembling the forces and getting everything together. And I had so many friends that I'd met from the Braille Challenge. Um, you know, the Braille Challenge finals are in L.A. every yeah. year. Kids from across the country would come. And so while there for many years, I met amazing singers from all over the country. And so I had many of them reaching out to me and saying, hey, can we participate? And I was like, I'm so sorry, but no, it's just tri-state. And then 
Unfortunately, my friend's event didn't end up taking place, but mm. it was almost a blessing in disguise because then I could then turn around to those people and say, actually, yes, yes, you can. We'd love to have you. And so I turned it into this national choir for my project. And we started on Skype. We started making little videos of singing. We worked on this song called Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. And, nice. you know, I really didn't even think of choir parts at that point. It was just individual solos making up the entire song. And then the year ended and technically my obligations to the choir ceased. But I remember at that point, it wasn't even called Serenity. Um, I was not not very um, gifted in the naming sector at that point because I called it the <laughs> Sing for the Spring Choir, which I oh. look back cringe. Um, but you know what? <laughs> I remember saying to someone, I don't want it to be just the spring. I want it to be forever. And oh. I never looked back. And it was, I was like, okay, I need something that's alliterative. And so, okay, it was sing for serenity because sing for peace, sing for tranquility and sing for love. And love so, that. you know, we, thank you so much. It's, it really is at the core of what we do. And so we'd moved to an app called Team Talk, which was suggested to us. And mm-hmm. Team Talk allows you to have different channels for individual voice parts and, you know, create sub channels from there if people need one-on-one instruction. And so that's how we started operating. And then we worked on a piece called White Christmas. There was about six of us that recorded for that. We were still a very small group, but we were a very tight-knit group. And, you know, we just kept growing and growing. And I just knew this was something like I was never going to let go of. If I had any say in the matter, I was never going to let go of it. And then we had, you know, we were all girls too. And then we had our first boy come in in February and I was like, I don't know what to do with you. Like I was so, (laughs) I was so like, I was trying to figure this out because I was like, I don't know how to do this, but we kind of love it. I I catered all my arrangements to his range. And so we were soprano, alto, mezzo, and then this boy. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it was very, it was very funny. And then we had, you know, some more boys and now we have, we are soprano, mezzo, alto, tenor, bass. And it became this five part thing. And in some arrangements, it's eight parts because it can split each of the girl parts in half. And that's great. Then we had adults that wanted part of it and it just kept in the international people that wanted a part of it. Now, lo and behold, four years later, 15 countries, over a hundred members, like girls and boys alike. Um, Just this whole amazing family. Oh, that's so great. And how, how did you spread the word? I mean, it sounds like a lot of it was just word of mouth, but how did you exactly. grow it and gather all those participants? That's amazing. It, it was quite frankly, word of mouth. We had a lot of people that um, schools for the blind were definitely our friends in this because we yeah. have shout out to uh, New York Institute for Special Education, shout out to Florida School for the Deaf and the Blind. You know, we had a lot of schools for the blind that once one person joined that entire chordal fabric of that school join like literally we have the entire a lot of the choir because the word just traveled and then you know social media I think Facebook um there's a nice blind musical community on Facebook and so we're definitely great Instagram we spotlight some of our members um we have a division of singers or we have a division of blind and visually impaired individuals that don't really like to sing but still want to be a part of the family and so we oh. create the monologue team division. So if you hear people giving intros and outros in our videos, that's them. If you see our social media being active with member spotlights or informational posts, that's them. Um, that's so great. They, really, they really are at the core of what we do too. 
so inclusive. That is wonderful. Wow. And so what is your process for selecting and arranging songs? Um, okay. So I'm going to take you through an example piece because I think that's going to illustrate how we work best. So yeah. last year we had a group of blind senior citizens, uh, many of which actually are affiliated with the NFB and they are called um, the We See Two Peer Support Group. And they're housed out of New Jersey and their mm -hmm. president contacted me and said, Hey, we've seen what your group can do. Can you dedicate a piece or can you dedicate a piece to our group? Uh, mm -hmm. our little family here. And I was like, we'd be honored. Like, absolutely. And so we worked collaboratively with them to select a piece that we felt would be consistent with their mission and with ours. And our kind of happy medium was That's What Friends Are For by John Warwick and mm -hmm. featuring Stevie Wonder, of course, and other amazing musicians. And so it was very low for a lot of our female singers because the majority of our singers are not altos. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the, and I, uh, like that would be kind of low for some of them to hit. And so yeah. I was like, okay, let's, as I'm arranging this, let's modulate the key. And so it became F sharp major instead of uh, D sharp major. Ooh, and it. so we found uh, a piano instrumental online and I just transposed it. And then I, what I do with arranging is, you know, sometimes I'll take an arrangement an existing arrangement online and I'll simplify it a little bit or change it, tweak it to fit my choir's range. And other times I'll just make one from scratch. So in that case, I made one from scratch. And first I decide where to put the solos because solo auditions, mm -hmm. everybody gets so excited for solo auditions. Yeah. You know, there'll be the five or six that I pick and then there'll be the five or six honorable mentions. Uh, so right. everyone gets excited. And, you know, I use honorable mentions to kind of tell people you need to keep auditioning because you are right there. You are so close to getting one. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I gave out, I think, five solos for that song and then some solos to our international members. Um, nice. And then once I figured out where I wanted the solos to be, I would sit down on my piano and start messing around with chords and just kind of experiment and then try stuff out, like sing stuff in garage band and see if the harmonies work. And mm -hmm. just kind of, I can't quite explain the arranging process. It's almost like you just have to see what works and what doesn't yeah. and just try stuff out and let the music guide you. And then once it's That's done, great. once it's done, I would send the full arrangement out so people can hear what the harmonies will sound like when they're together. Mm -hmm. And then I will, for the soprano part, for example, I would mute the bass, tenor, alto, and mezzo tracks and then send the recording back with the instrumental and the soprano part. And then that's what they all would record with. They nice. all would record a track with that track and then mute my track and send theirs back. And then the editors would compile all those tracks. God bless them. All those tracks. <laughs> you know, one project and do panning and volumes and nice. EQ and all these other terms that I have no idea what they mean because I'm not in any way. Right. I right. do so much them um but you know at every rehearsal their section leaders would be if people need one-on-one -on -one instruction they would be teaching them if people have heard to be um you know alone they would listen to them saying through once they got it and we yeah. just kind of take it week by week that's so good thank you for explaining that whole process i find that absolutely fascinating and what an undertaking that you have you know oh, developed yeah. such a great uh, process for all of this so the the rehearsals you mentioned are on team talk and then yes. how do people, what do they use to record their parts? How do people go in and do that? 
Uh, it varies. You'll have Hokusai, you'll have GarageBand, you'll have Reaper. Yeah. Usually one of those three. Right. Because and then- you, need some, you need something you have headphones for. Right. Because the track we playing in headphones and you'll be singing, you know, out loud. So you need something like that. Perfect. And then the, the editors, what do they use to make that magic happen? Um, I believe most of them use either Hokusai or Reaper. That's great. Wow. It's, it's so wonderful what you can do. You will all hear in a moment the beautiful sounds of Sing for Serenity with such great blends. And you guys just put on a great show. So where, where do you, you know, air quote, perform? Where, where can people listen to you and what are you guys preparing for? So all of our individual songs are up on YouTube. Uh, if you type in Sing for Serenity Choir on YouTube, you'll see our channel and you'll see. I, I really love scrolling back to our first performance and just seeing how we've grown. It's a really yeah. cool journey. You'll hear um, some pieces are dedicated to specific groups or people like um, this past summer, we released a piece called Speechless, which was dedicated to a person in Serenity who is also in the NFB. And um, she survived COVID, but it was a very, very wow. intense battle with it. And she was hospitalized. And you hear her talk about that before the piece starts. And then you hear her say, you know, this was my motivation not to go down, not to go speechless. And then the, the piece starts and she sings the solo and we back her. And, you know, then you have blessings where the girl lost her mother. And, um, mm. you know, someone that you all know, um, he's on there too. And he had lost his father. and wow. so you know, both of them are talking about how much this piece means to them. And then you hear, you know, them singing. So you hear all these different like dedications and all the yeah. social media that we have, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, they all kind of lead you back to that YouTube because singing is at the core of what we do. Like, yes, you'll have to post and, you know, talk about yeah. everything, but we love to sing more than anything else. And that's, that's who we are. That's beautiful. And what a testament to the power of music. So healing and just brings people together from all over the world, as you said, 15 countries. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. So, and where can people go if they would like to join the Sing for Serenity Choir? Um, you can email singforserenity at gmail.com. That's S-I-N-G-F-O-R-S-E-R-E-N-I-T-Y at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram, um, the Sing for Serenity Choir Instagram. You can, you know, tweet us on Twitter, but Instagram, uh, you can message us on Facebook. So Instagram, Facebook, or Gmail, I think would be the best way. Okay. And Facebook and Instagram are Sing for Serenity? Uh, Sing for Serenity Choir. It's always- Sing for Serenity Choir. All right. The, the only one that's just Sing for Serenity is the Gmail. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Sing for Serenity Choir on Facebook and Twitter. That is where everyone can go and find oh, you and follow Instagram. you. Instagram, sorry. Facebook and <laughs> it's okay. Instagram. I'll say that again. Sing for a Serenity Choir is where everyone can go on Facebook and Instagram and follow you and keep up with your updates. That is so exciting. So now we get the privilege of, in a moment, hearing a wonderful seasonal tune to celebrate the holidays approaching. A little bit of it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Uh, but as we go Kaylee, any thoughts on uh, the power of virtual choirs or where you see this going in the future? I would say that especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, the, uh, the power of virtual choirs became extremely apparent because as the world shut down, we were the one thing that remained constant. And it was very comforting for a lot yeah. of our members because as everything else was taken, we were not. 
and we we were very used to it. I mean, everyone was figuring out how to do the virtual choir thing, but we had been doing it for years. And yeah. you know, we also we are a family at our core too. And so we we gave them a prom this past year, a little virtual prom. And oh, you know, we have Halloween parties in a couple of weeks. We have a holiday party in December. And you know, so we we just ensure that there's always that community engagement piece and that people from different sections are getting to, you know, mix and get to know each other. I mean, we've had lasting friendships. We've had romantic relationships. We've had like little, like we've had, we call her like our, the serenity moms. Like we've had mothers with children, you know, being very nurturing to our little guys. You know, we, it's just this whole network. And I think that's the beauty of the virtual choir is that mm. it's not, it doesn't matter how close or far you live. It just matters yeah. if you can pick up the phone, make sure somebody's okay and just sing and forget about everything else. That's absolutely wonderful. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Kaylee. Thank you for being here today, Kaylee Brendel, everyone. And let's take a listen to It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own. There's a tree in the Grand Hotel One in the park as well The sturdy kind that doesn't mind the snow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Soon the bells will start And the thing that will make them ring Is the carol that you sing Right within your I'm Caitlin McIntyre, President of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Scene Change. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website at nfb-pad.org. There you'll find links to our social media, membership, and resources for blind performers. Thanks to everyone who makes this show happen. Scene Change is produced by Shane Lowe, Joe Schooneman, Precious Perez, Chris Nussbaum, Sayun Choi, and Aaron Jordan. With music by Ryan Strunk and Tom Page. Remember, you can be the performer you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'll see you next time.